So long, so long, to you, I hope I don't make you blue, but I think I'm gonna kill myself. I think I'm gonna kill myself. Apart, we've grown, and I can't go on alone. So I think I'm gonna kill myself. I think I'm gonna kill myself. Now dig my grave with a silver spade, golden chain, let me down to down. Send my remains to my best friend. To get a rest to my hole in the ground. Rest to my hole in the ground. Well, here we are on the other side, and uh, welcome back. That was uh, Buddy Knox with I Think I'm Gonna Kill Myself, which, thank goodness, he didn't. And uh, he was with the the Rhythm Orchids, which was made up of uh, himself and Jimmy Bowen and and, uh, one other guy. Uh, And, of course, uh, Jimmy Bowen went on to being a music legend, although not singing and playing his uh, bass fiddle, but he did become a music legend. He still is one of the greatest, uh, I guess, A&R men, they they call him, uh, artist and repertoire, uh, giving all the, making all the great hits for um, old Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and a whole lot of other people. So evidently he knew what, what a hit was. So that was Buddy Knox with I Think I'm Going to Kill Myself. And I'm glad you were on the other side. We are right here on TalkShoe.com. And this is Old Time Rock and Roll Legends of the Guitar Part 2. And I'm, I'm glad that you are here and I'm glad that you turned into uh, listen to the second part. Almost going to say, like, turn over the record. And here you are on the second side. Oh, great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're going to listen. And this is going to be one heck of an interesting evening. Once again, we're going to continue with some more Dwayne Eddy and probably another one of his big hits. It's called 40 Miles of Bad Road. I know. I live in uh, Orlando, and there's plenty of those.
Charlie Gracie was one of the class acts all all the way through the last 50 some odd years. He is a guitarist extraordinaire. And yet his early recordings didn't show that. And I don't understand why because uh, I guess it was that he had that cute fresh teenage <laughs> look that everybody wanted and maybe that was why they kind of played down his guitar work but right now before we we start our interview with Charlie Gracie uh, I want to play one of his hits uh, which was actually covered later on by uh, Paul McCartney and the Beatles so here is um, Charlie Gracie with his top 10 hit fabulous Always knew I was crazy for you. How'd I know you'd thrill me so? If this is love, well, it's fabulous. Your lips close to mine, I get chills up my spine, and when they touch, I thrill so much. If this is love. Fabulous. I read in a book about love and its charms, but I, I never knew till I held you in my arms. When I held you tight, well, I know, I know I'm right. Only you can do what you do. If this is love. Fabulous. Well, I, I always knew I was crazy for you. How'd I know that you thrill me so? If this is love, well, it's fabulous. Your lips are close to mine. I get chills up my spine when they touch. I thrill so much. If this is love, well, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. If this is love, well, it's fabulous. That almost had a sound like uh, Elvis's uh, Don't Be Cruel, don't you think? Uh, a lot of, of Charlie's stuff started out, it always sounded similar to, to different types of records and, and different genres. But um, Charlie was... As, as you will hear, uh, his rise and fall was very meteoric, and <clears throat> basically it was due to uh, Dick Clark and his dealings with uh, record companies, which we'll explain in the uh, in the interview. Uh, and one day I'm going to just come out and, and do a show on on the payola scandal and and all the people that were involved. And I don't know, maybe we'll do that later on. Anyway, 
Here is one of the class acts in rock and roll, still is after all these years, and I believe in, at the end of May in, uh, what did he say, Green Bay, Wisconsin? Well, he'll, he'll mention that himself. Uh, here is Charlie Gracie. I have the extreme pleasure right now of having on the phone for my first interview on this show the legendary Charlie Gracie, Philadelphia native, guitar legend, making a huge comeback right now, a fabulous DVD, which I just got a hold of. We'll talk about that a little later on, and we're going to talk about some interesting things about Charlie. So, Charlie, welcome to old-time rock and roll. Well, thank you. Uh, you know what? Another Brooklyn uh, group, Mr. Lee, Bobettes. Yeah, they were great, weren't they? They were fabulous. Uh, yeah. Charlie, um, you know, I, I'm so excited to really, I haven't seen you in 50 years. Good when, Lord. Yeah, when you and I, uh, <laughs> I, I actually met you backstage at the Alan Freed show at the Brooklyn Paramount in 1957. Actually, right. this would be the date, this would be the anniversary the 50th anniversary of the show happened this week. Right, I believe it was in March, wasn't it? Yes, at the the Easter Jubilee. Yes, I remember that vividly. As a matter of fact, I can remember some of the guys who were on the show with us. Uh, if I can mention some of them. Go right ahead. Um, Buddy Knox, Jimmy Bowen. My favorites, yeah. I believe. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, Little Richard. Right. No, Little Richard. The, um, I'm trying to think. It's been a long time now. Uh, was was Eddie Cochran on that show? Eddie Cochran was on that show. It was the only show we ever did with Alan. Was he on that one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Eddie he Cochran. Was. He was, by the way, he was my closest friend of all the guys and a wonderful kid. Well, that's really, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because uh, people look at me like I'm strange because I always say that if Eddie Cochran had lived, he could have outdone Elvis. Well, let me just say this about Eddie Cochran. He was a nice kid. He was at my home in South Philadelphia many a time. My mother used to make him the red sauce of being Italian-American people, you know? And he loved it. His manager, Jerry K. Park, used to come with him. And all the, of course, all the kids knew me. I used to play ball with them, you know? So when Eddie came, they all lined up. They wanted this autograph, which I could understand. He was a handsome kid. He was a talented kid. He was a humble kid. We had everything going for him. This guy had no facial surgery. He, need, he, need, he didn't need any facial surgery. I mean, that's how perfect he was. Yeah. And, uh, well, he got killed in that... Uh, accident over in Britain that broke my heart. I, I talk about him all the time. Yeah, well, I remember. And he but he was not only good-looking, but, I mean, he had the, that sex appeal, too. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, That's you something did. you're born with. That is true. And, and uh, I, I do believe if, he, if things hadn't uh, changed and he hadn't been in that car, I think Gene Vincent was with him that night, that day. Yes, I understand he was. Yeah. Well, of course, he died very young, too, uh, for uh, different Unbelievably reasons, but, sad. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing that uh, you know, I, I can see myself in the mirror and I say to myself, well, how come I'm still alive and a lot of the guys are dead, you know? But I guess we all have our time. And that most of you got to remember that most of those fellas died young, so we still remember them as young kids. That's right. So they never, they never had that age process as we were going through at this point in our lives. Are know? we going through a process? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, I, I, you know, being on the show and, and watching uh, all of these shows from even backstage, I got a question because I don't, you know, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, you were only 21 at the time, but. You know, when you go on those Alan Freed shows and you go on these rock shows, you never had a chance, except if you were maybe Chuck Berry or Bo Diddley, you had a chance to to show your guitar prowess because you didn't. Well, you know, they, we only did like, you know, two songs or three songs a piece. 
So, of course, when you're hot, you do your hits. That's right. And then we were off in a flash. I think we were on for maybe like 10, 12 minutes at a time. But I always wanted to do like some guitar solos, but they always told me, we don't have time for that, Charles. Just do your hits and get off. I said, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with anybody. Well, but I, had... uh, I, I, if I, I must say this in all modesty. I was a guitarist by the time I was uh, 16 years old. I mean, I studied from 10 to 16, studied music. I was basically a musician, not even a singer, you know? So I'm basically a musician, and, and the singing came later. So I always... Uh, It's interesting because I probably kept rewinding with my DVD, uh, doing that your your riffs on the guitar, listening to them over and over again. A little guitar boogie that you did. And uh, by the way, folks, if you want, uh, you can you can check out the fabulous Charlie Gracie DVD. And you can get it at oldies.com. And I'm going to tell you, it is worth the price. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. They can also check my website, charliegracie.com. If I'm anywhere in the area in the United States or in Europe, come see me. I'd love to have them come out. Well, you have a big show in Washington in May, don't you? Uh, we have one coming up in, uh, actually, it's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Okay, excuse yeah, me. The Oneida Casino, and they're having a six-day rockabilly rock and roll festival. There'll be 70 acts on the bill. Isn't that tremendous? 70? Oh, yeah, some man. of the greatest guys that I've worked with over the years, and it's going to be nice to see some of them again. I haven't seen some All of them right. for many, many years. I wish I and could occasionally, be. I do work with some. We uh, our paths crossed, like over in Europe and so forth. You know, absolutely. Uh, this is that seventy acts. I mean, this is the you know running oh, the yeah. show. This is where I need to be, but unfortunately, oh. I can't. Make it. <laughs> but I'm hoping that uh, someday you're going to get. Where do you, Charlie? Are you still living in the Philadelphia area? I live in suburban Philadelphia, about ten miles out of town, wow. a place called Delaware County. Wow. Yeah, a place called Drexel Hill. Uh-huh. It's a nice suburban area, but um, you know, it's a funny thing about people that are born in Pennsylvania. They usually die here. <laughs> we don't move out of the state for some reason. Well, I'll tell you, uh, my wife is from from Pennsylvania. Um, uh-huh. I'm from Brooklyn, of course, and uh, we're. I, I've never met so many people from New York and Pennsylvania as live down here in Orlando, Florida, where we're based. Everybody's moving down there. <laughs> That's true. We got. I, I can tell that accent anywhere. <laughs> Well, you know, my dad, I'm going to go back in history, my, my father was born in Tampa. Really? Yes. He came to South Philadelphia as a child because my grandmother, who was an immigrant, uh, suffered from malaria. They used to work the farms there, you know, they were immigrant workers, just like the Mexican people are today, you know, uh-huh. make a living. And the doctor suggested that she move to a cooler climate with the malaria because it would kill her. So they moved to Philadelphia, and that's where he met my mom, who was, uh, her parents were also immigrants from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. They were coal miners. Mm. And that's how we got to be born and raised in Philadelphia. Wow. It's funny how life takes a start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and as a young kid, I must say this, that I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. My aunt lived in the Williamsburg section. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, that's that's where all the great talents came from, from Brooklyn. Uh, Barbara oh, Streisand, yeah. Neil oh, Diamond. Yeah. And uh, uh, I spent Monroe. a lot of time there with my aunt and my cousins, and I used to stay there weeks at a time because it was nice and close to New York, and I used to take the, you know, the subway trains into New York. 
wouldn't want to get on a, a subway these days, but I'll... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about Dick Clark. I know that you had your ups and downs with him. Well, you know, I want to tell you a funny thing. Actually, verbally, we've never had a, 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 a first word with each other, but the situation was this. When I... When, when the fellow who wanted to start Cameo Records uh, came to my house, I had already been recording for five or six years with a, one New York label called Cadillac or Broadway and another label called 20th Century, which was a Philadelphia-based company. So I had been recording. I had done bandstand already and with a fellow who, his name was Bob Horn, the original host of the show. And I was working the nightclub circuit, making 150 bucks a week. My dad was making 75 dollars a week. He was a hat maker at Stetson Hat Company, which was very famous at the time, you know? Right. So I was already a pro, you know, and I... I had been recording for five or six years, and finally, uh, this man came to me and he says he wanted to start a record company. He was looking for a tall, sexy Elvis type. I guess he couldn't find him, so he wound up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said to my dad, he says, "I think your kid's got a lot of talent. I know he's been recording. Da 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 da. He sings great. He plays guitar great. And I want to start a record company called Cameo Records. Okay, fine. So we're going to make a lot of money together, Charlie. So oh, great. I'm looking forward to that because we were we're people all our lives, you know, working class sure, people. Right." We went into the studio in December of 1956. I cut two sides for Cameo, one called Butterfly, one called 99 Ways. And by March, we had not only a hit record, but a number one hit. Knocked Elvis right out of the box for two weeks. And, you know, the rest is history. Got the gold record at the Ed Sullivan Show, the Alan Freed Shows. And that was just only the second American actor to a Great Britain to bring rock and roll to the European continent. Though Haley preceded me, of course, but he had his own band. Right. I went as a solo artist, so I was at the mercy of the pit orchestra. He still had variety with the Vogue at the time, you know. That's right. And seven or eight acts, like a live Ed Sullivan show. Dance right. teams, uh, uh, comics, and dog acts. And it was like a, like a carnival thing, you know. And then finally, the headliner one at the end, where the curtain opened up, and I turned around with my guitar and started rocking. Well, them kids went bananas because the theater was all full of young people. You know, I had a lot of big hits. I had more hits in England than I had in America. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story of what happened the first night I got there. You know, I bought some beautiful suits and. I figured I'm going on tour, I'm going to look nice on stage. And uh, there was a place in, on South Street, which later became famous in song, you know. Where do all the hippies meet? South Street. South Street, remember that too? I sure do, but I'm not going to sing it. I don't have the old uh, voice. Uh, the oil lines. Uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, um, I, I bought these beautiful four or five blue and gray and black. And the guy said to me, Charlie, you can't go on like that my, my first night. I says, why not? He says, you look like a teddy boy. I said, what the heck's your teddy boy? Oh, he said, they're the hoodlums of London, you know. I said, oh, my God, I'm sorry, I didn't know. So I went out the first show just with a shirt and slacks. But I only weighed 112 pounds in those days. <laughs> so you couldn't see me from the back of the theater, you know. So, I mean, I did great the first show, don't get me wrong. But the second show, the guy said, put your, put your suit on, Charlie. Well, when that curtain opened up, then it's what bananas me. You know, it's a funny thing. Destiny's a funny thing. They were screaming. and I, You might think it was Elvis Presley out there. I could just write myself sing and play the guitar. And, you know, and the rest is history. I toured that year. I toured again the following year. And I've been going back to Britain and Europe for the past 40 years. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. And then, but you, you're, then your decline was in part because of uh, Dick Clark and his uh, well, dealings. Well, what happened was, like I said, this guy came to my house. And we began recording, and like, we got a couple of hit records, right? So unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this. I'm a kid. I'm 20, 21 years old. And I, I really could care less because it had nothing to do with my life. Right. But they were paying the disc jockeys off around the country. And Dick Clark was, wouldn't take the, the cash in his hands, but he would be part owner of the record company, which I didn't know. Yes. You so know what's funny? I Andy did. And I had a disagreement about yeah. royalty payments. And they gave me a gold record, right? They sold a couple of million copies, and the guy's paying me like for 700,000 records. So where's my money? And we had a disagreement. 
right. He had well, the swan, wasn't it? Jack Lindo. So by me suing Cameo Records, I cut my throat. I never went on bandstand anymore. They never put me on anymore. In other words, you blackballed me, you see? Yeah, yeah. And that was a downfall of... Even though I recorded with Decker and Roulette, and I went almost like seven or eight different, uh, uh, you know, companies throughout the years, but uh, they still wanted to record me, but I just couldn't get my records played anymore. Wow, no. So, uh, you know, so being a, a, a an entertainer, I made a living all my life just singing, playing the guitar with my little band, or whether it was by myself. I never got rich. I became famous for 10 minutes. But, uh, you know, now in my old age, everybody starts start, start to discover me. The Beatles, the, the Rolling Stones, and, uh, and uh, I go on and on. I go on and on. You know, sure, Van Grand Marsden, Nash. I toured with Van Morrison. I mean, I never thought these guys even knew who I was. But unbeknownst to me, when I went over to, to Britain and Europe, they were in my audiences. Mm. You know, they were four or five years younger than me. So now that I've met them and worked with them, and as a matter of fact, Paul McCartney recorded one of my old tunes, Fabulous, you know. And they said, Charlie, you were very inspirational in our, our careers. And I said, oh, my God, I, I never knew that. I said, thank you very much. And it was nice you know, meeting you. So on. You, know, you don't get a chance to talk to Paul McCartney too often. <laughs> no, I wish you could so I, I take some of the money. <laughs> and, uh, what can I say? I mean, I'm just so so grateful. To, uh, I've had a great run, a great career, a great life. i got a wonderful wife. I've got two great kids. And every once in a while, i got like you close up, and we can discuss these things and talk about them. Well, Charlie, this has been really a thrill. I mean, i got to tell you, uh, I am going to look and find, I'm going to go to charliegracie.com myself and see if I can pick up some of your later recordings because uh, I want to hear you play the guitar. Well, you know, anytime you're in the area or if I'm in your area and I'm performing somewhere, you please come backstage, say hello, and I, I, I do at least maybe one or two instrumentals during my act just to show my prowess on the guitar, you know what I mean? Well, now, I don't claim to be the world's greatest guitarist or the world's worst, worst guitar. I just do what I do. Both people seem to like it. I mean, there's guys that can play me under the... I mean, they're fantastic. But I always held my own, and uh, I do what I do. I have a certain style, a certain way of entertaining. But see, what happened to me was I came to a fork in the road. I want to be a great musician or a great entertainer. And I said to myself, well, if I want to keep working, I better try towards being a great entertainer because there's a lot of great musicians that are out of work. <laughs> you follow That's me? True. That's so true. So I went out and entertained the audience. And everybody came coming back to see me, coming back to see me. I mean, I've had fans follow me now for 50 years, and I say to them, aren't you sick and tired of listening to me yet? No, Charlie, we love you. <laughs> you know, and, and to me, the bottom line is a fan. I mean, I'm the type of guy, when I get done performing, I'll come out and the audience will sit, we'll talk, we'll have a cup of coffee, I'll sign anything you want. Some guys go hide in the dressing room. I don't know how they could do that. I mean, these people pay to see you, they pay your salary. I mean, if it wasn't for them, you'd be working in the car wash someplace. I could never understand that. So I'm always available to the public. Well, you know, you certainly are, and... Uh... I appreciate you being on the show tonight, and uh, I do want to wish you very good luck in, you. in your shows and in the rest of your career, and I hope you have a long, long career. Hope to be talking to you again when you're 80, and I'm uh, uh, 74. <laughs> well, listen, I'm grateful for being on your show. Thanks for inviting me, and I wish you and your family and all those folks out there Godspeed and stay healthy and enjoy life, and let's keep rocking because our music changed the world. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Larry. Charlie Gracie. There you have it. The interview with Charlie Gracie. Uh, you can order Charlie's brand new uh, CD, believe it or not, which is called The Best of Charlie Gracie Cameo Parkway, um, and his DVD called Fabu uh, his, uh, yeah, called Fabulous, which is uh, a great documentary with some great people uh, from oldies.com or right through charliegracie.com. And... Uh, it was just a pleasure to have him on. He is such a nice guy. He really is. Uh, 
been with the same woman for his entire life, which uh, is is in these days especially is amazing, amazing. Charlie Gracie. So let me play one more Charlie Gracie tune, and this one I don't know. I really got to really enjoy this. It uh, it's called "You Got a Heart Like a Rock." What an interesting, interesting song. Here's Charlie Gracie once again. You got a smile like an angel, eyes like the stars above. You're the kind of a baby that I've been dreaming of. You got everything you need that's right. But a heart like a rock, a rock, a rock. You got a heart like a rock, a rock, a rock. Gracie, you got a heart like a rock, rock, rock. You are here on TalkShoe.com, and this is Old Time Rock and Roll. This is Legends of the Guitar Part 2, and I hope you've um, already listened to Part 1. If you haven't, when you finish this, you better get back over there, man. I want both of these things on your... I want you to hear it both, because there's some great stuff on both parts. Right now, probably uh, with the Les Paul one of the guitar innovators of rock and roll. This one is unbelievable. you got to listen very closely. This is Bo Diddley, and Bo Diddley, you know, interesting about Bo Diddley, uh, when you hear Bo Diddley's records, at least his singing records, eh, I don't know, there's something missing. But he does that same song in person, and it blows you away. He's one of those guys you have got to hear in person, to appreciate his songs. I don't know why, but you know, some people you can you can listen to on stage and fall asleep, uh, but you enjoy their music. Like uh, I don't want to say it, but Danny and the Juniors hmm, always used to fall asleep when they were on stage. Um, but here is uh, Bo Diddley, and this is quite an incredible piece of guitar work. This is simply called "Talking Guitar." Listen closely. Say, man. Quit mumbling and talk out loud.
one, folks. Wow. What can you say after listening to that? I remember him doing that on person in person at the uh, at the Brooklyn Paramount, and uh, the kids were just sitting there with their mouth open. And this and and his, uh, you know, you couldn't even put his, his speakers in in one of those crazy cars that thump and thump, you know, when you're on the road and they break your windows and all that. Uh, when you when you got Bo Diddley, you don't need it. Oh man, what a great great performer! Right now, a little more uh, Dwayne Eddy with. Moving and grooving. Mickey Guitar Baker was another one of those um, studio musicians that could just play the pants off of anything uh, and anybody around. Uh, his his one foray into the hits in the 1950s was with uh, a girl by the name of Sylvia Vanderlip. And uh, together they produced a couple of great hits, great performers on stage, great guitar player and and just can't believe it here's mickey and sylvia with love is strange
how you call your lover boy Come here, lover boy And if he doesn't answer Oh, lover boy And if he still doesn't answer I simply say Right now, it's time <laughs> to uh, really uh, introduce to you one of the bad boys of rock and roll. I say bad boys because Chuck Berry had a history of doing things he wasn't necessarily supposed to do, and that uh, it just you know it, some people got got into trouble and they, their careers were over, like Jerry Lee, for a while. But Chuck Berry, with everything he did, he came out swinging and and playing that guitar. Here is uh, two. Chuck Berry classics. One is called Oh Baby Doll, which is one of his better singles. And the other one is from an album called After School Sessions. And it is quite a guitar piece. It's uh, it's called Guitar Boogie. And it's not like the other guitar boogies you've heard, but which you will hear again tonight, another one. But I want you to hear right now. Okay, here it is. Chuck Berry, Guitar Boogie, and Oh Baby Doll.
baby doll When bells ring out the summer breeze Oh, baby doll Will it end for you and me? We'll sing all on the matter And think of things that used to be I remember so well Back when the weather was cool We used to have so much fun When we were walking to school If we stopped off to hear The latest songs they sing Time to just make it in Before the bell would ring Oh baby doll When bells ring out the summer free Oh baby doll Will it end for you and me Sing the old alma mater and think of things it used to be. Chuck Berry, Oh Baby Doll. Well, you know what? That brings us to the end of another show, Parts 1 and Parts 2. Please listen to Part 1 if you have not. It's great. Uh, I'm going to leave you tonight. Oh, before I do, i got to tell you, next week, uh, another great show. Uh, it is our, <laughs> our April Fool's Novelty Special. And, man, you're going to love it. I have some pieces which you have not heard in many, many years. And I guarantee you, Bill Cosby... Uh, you don't have to be Jewish. I mean, uh, and some of the great legends, Loudon Rain, Rainwright Third, and oh, just so many classic pieces of novelty. I don't want to talk too much longer. It's been a, it's been a great, great pleasure to be with you through both parts one and two. I hope you will come back next week and listen to our, our novelty show. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with um, the Royal Tones and my favorite guitar instrumental simply entitled Flamingo Express. So for everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll, this is Lee Douglas saying, as always, that's a wrap.